This is Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. I'm Mark Berry. This week on Top Shelf, former National Hockey Leaguer and Rebel Stoke Grizzlies alumnus Aaron Volpatti joins Emmanuel Sequera to talk about his KIJHL days. It's a preview of a special Top Shelf coming out on Sunday. Beforehand, Emmanuel chats with current Grizzly Will McPhee, their captain, about this season's Rebel Stoke side. And so as to get our full weekly dosage of Emmanuel, He's agreed to join me to discuss the first-round playoff matchups as 16 KIJHL teams embark on the quest for the Tech Cup. Emmanuel is next on Top Shelf. Columbia Valley still has the, the most goals, four, this season in the league, and the best differential as well. And they're headed by that in a long shot. Mm-hmm. Sparrow now. France streaking. Goes off escape. Right to Ingram. Shot a goal! <laughs> And you know what? We don't often see Ingram score from that side. Knocking the china off the top shelf. Sure did. A little water bottle dance. Don't see any hats on the ice yet. As that is Keenan's third of the evening. 42nd of the season. On Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. I'm talking with the Director of Communications for the KIJHL, Emmanuel Sequera. Emmanuel playoffs are here they're like, this weekend and boy i gotta tell you i'm excited i know you are as well let's go through the different divisions the matchups and we'll start off with the eddie mountain and the neil murdoch take a bit of a break you'll be back later on in the program to talk about the bill o'housen and doug burke's division okay let's start with the eddie mountain first matchup i want to talk about is columbia valley and fernie uh that's not a cakewalk that's not a a market in the wind column right away for columbia valley columbia and fernie have played hard against each other all season and when i'm just looking at some stats fernie is actually two and one against columbia since january 1st that's going to be an exciting one to watch and like for me i i guess i just think of like it's the players to see like Keenan Ingram had a tremendous rookie season. Uh, also, Kate Kanaschuk. Uh, they've got strong goaltending. And Fernie as well, like Ethan McDuff. Liam Fitzgerald recently playing very strong. Like Ethan McDuff's line has been, they've been putting up some good points. And just even of late, they've been playing better hockey and talking to coach Ty Vallon. He's gradually been happier with how the team has been playing, especially with the consistency. It's something that he's talked to me about a few times, just playing with that consistency that they want to have. Your thoughts on Kimberly and Golden. That should be a good one as well. Yes. I'm curious to see how this one turns out. I mean, it's a rematch. They've played each other before. Golden is a bit stronger than they were last season. Last season, it was a short first round for them. Both teams are going to be hungry. I mean, Kimberly, obviously, is going to be as well. It's a it's an older team that's got a lot of depth. I mean, they've got two strong goaltenders. Derek Stewart is always pumping the tires on his goaltenders as he feels he's got like two of the best goaltenders in the league. Let's head over to the Neil Murdoch division. And uh, this one's a cool one because you've got a crossover team, Creston Valley crossing over to take on the Grand Forks Border Bruins. And another one that's not going to be an easy series for Grand Forks. These two teams have matched up twice this season and their record one and one. So this one should be a good one too. Yeah. And I think what probably adds to the intrigue is that there's not really a lot of familiarity with the teams. I mean, when I talked to Dave Natick about it, that was one thing that he mentioned to me. The reason he also picked this matchup is because of that factor. And he wanted to change from playing their usual Neil Murdoch division rivals. It'll be good to see. And then even like Creston Valley talking to their coach, 
they've been kind of tinkering with things in their lineup to see the kind of results that they get out of it. So I think that it, it'll be an interesting matchup to see who comes out of it. You know, for me, there's a lot of good playoff series uh, this year, but two must-see. One's in the Doug Burks division. The other's in the Neil Murdoch division. Nelson and Beaver Valley, that should be impressive. Yeah, I mean, those two longtime rivals obviously met many times in the playoffs. I'm very heated. I, I don't think it'll disappoint and I guess hopefully they don't beat up on each other too badly because then the winner, once they come out of it, they're going to want to still have something left in the tank so that they can move on. But I don't think these two teams will disappoint. Well, thanks a lot, Emmanuel. You'll be back later on to talk about the Bill O'Housen division and the Doug Burks division. That's coming up later on. Aspen with a shot was tipped wide. McPhee back behind the net. McPhee battling. He's being checked by Van Langen. Now McPhee at the faceoff circle. And he works it. McPhee works his magic with 37 seconds left to go. And it is the uh, captain, Will McPhee, gets a goal. I'm joined by Will McPhee, captain of the Revelstoke Grizzlies. Will, welcome to Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, so how have things been going, Will? Really good. Just uh, won our last home game. So, yeah, hopefully we can keep that rolling into playoffs here. Looking at the standings, so in the past 10 games, the team has won eight of its last 10, and then I guess in this last five-game stretch, three of those games. How does the team feel that it's been playing? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, after Christmas, it's kind of that time to turn that switch for playoff hockey, and I, I think the boys have been battling pretty hard and working really hard, you know, just getting ready getting ready for playoffs here. So, yeah, I've been, been really happy with how we've been playing. Because what is the confidence level like heading into the playoffs? I think it's good. You know, personally, I feel really good. You know, that last game against the Soyuz, you know, it had some ups and downs, but we still came out on top. Boys feeling confident, you know, feeling ready. So, yeah, it's looking good. What have you seen that are the strengths of this team this season? Well, compared to last season, you know, we definitely have a little more skill, you know, up front and definitely on the blue line. But I think with Revy Hockey, it's all about playing structure and just working really hard playing good defense, you know, finishing your checks. So, you know, if we're just playing good defense first, uh, you know, doing all the little things, you know, that's when we're most successful. Yeah, I mean, talk about the goaltending tandem with Owen Albers and Joseph Cachazlo. Like, I mean, the two of them combined to put up 30 wins and some pretty stellar numbers there. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, we have two starting goalies. When either guy goes in that, you know, you're pretty confident you can win a game. So that's, you know, we're pretty lucky to have both of them. This season, like it's your first season as the captain of the team. Talk about the things that you learned from Colberg last season. Jumping into this season, you know, first time, this is my first time being captain in general. I've always just been kind of the assistant captain, but you know, you definitely have a bigger role. You know, you gotta you gotta show up every day, just lead by example. And you know, Bergy, he he was an absolute workhorse and you know, he just did the little things right, gave his teammates confidence just by showing them what to do. You know, he was uh, classic for doing the net drive and, you know, scoring a goal, just using his body. But Bergie definitely taught me just to be vocal and lead by example, right? So, you know, just be a leader on and off the ice. What did you think of your season of the way that you performed and led the group? You know, I'm kind of, I'm hard on myself a lot of times, but I was happy with how things went. And, you know, it was definitely a learning curve. And I felt as the season went on, I got a better understanding of how to, you know, how to be a captain. 
you know, it wasn't just me. You know, I got lots of help from the teammates and, you know, the assistants and whatnot. So, you know, I think overall it was definitely a great season. And yeah, I was happy with, with uh, how I did personally. And then finally, how confident is this group in being able to repeat as uh, KIJHL champions? Well, let me tell you, this year it's tight. You know, we got some good teams in the league and we know it's going to be hard, but we're going to go for it and, you know, we're going to do our best. I think it can happen. Like I said, you know, we got a lot of good good teams in this league. Because do you think with that, yeah, with how good the other teams have been playing in the league, that's going to make for really exciting playoffs? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I honestly have no idea how these series are going to go. I think anyone can come out on top. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun playoffs for sure. Okay, Will. Well, thanks a lot for joining us on Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. With just over five minutes left in triple overtime. Sukor with the pass to Pavlovich. Anks gave it away to Bettinson. Good play there by Brockett to knock the puck away. Powell will send it along the boards to the far side, or the side closest to us. Bettinson picks it up. And just like that, they score. Revelstoke has won the game 4-3 in triple overtime and taken a commanding 3-1 series lead in these 2022 Tech Cup Finals. That was Will McPhee, captain of the Revelstoke Grizzlies. Ten career goals in junior hockey and none bigger than the one you just heard. A triple overtime winner in the finals last season. And, you know, a couple players didn't get enough credit on that goal. No assists were awarded, but the work of Bettinson, Reinson, and definitely Kinoshita. What a great pass by Kinoshita. The AP at the time. Through the slot, he finds McPhee. McPhee puts it in the back of that huge goal for Revelstoke last season. Still to come on Top Shelf, Emmanuel and I will continue our conversation on the playoffs. Gafer controlling, back up top, shot. Nice shot by Trask. Oh my goodness, Gould almost put that in his own net. Valet's going to have to turn back. Here's a shot off the crossbar. Now there's one poke pass. Lucas Zanoni got a break play. Zanoni, why can it Lucas Zanoni scores and the party wins. On Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. Once again, I'm joined by the Director of Communications for the KIJHL, Emmanuel Sequera. Emmanuel, we talked about the Neil Murdoch. We talked about Eddie Mountain. Let's talk about the Bill O'Housen division. And what do you expect to see out of this division? <laughs> That's a good question. Hard answer. Well, first off, I guess Princeton and Summerland. Like, congrats to the Princeton Posse on winning their first ever President's Cup, finishing first overall in the league. But they've got their sights set on bigger things. I mean, as much as they're excited about that, they want to have some playoff success. And so it'll be a good matchup uh, to see how they do against Summerland, who's a bit injury depleted and hopefully. Uh, they get some bodies back. You know, just uh, looking at Princeton this season, they didn't have a particularly spectacular power play. They didn't have guys leading the scoring race. They did have a good back end. This is a team that plays a team game. And it would be interesting to see how they fare in the playoffs when teams do a very good job of shutting down power plays. This is a team that can play five on five very well. Yeah, and I think that's going to be important because, as you mentioned, like in those areas, they weren't as strong. But all that means is that they don't have to rely on that. So coming to playoffs, I mean, if it was the opposite way, and then all of a sudden they struggled, how do we find a way to generate more offense? Well, 
it's not something that they necessarily have to worry about. And they were one of the top teams in the league when it came to generating offense. I mean, through the season, they also had four players who were selected for player of the week and one for player of the month. And so I think there's some good balance with that team. And then like Dayton Nelson, just to, I guess, finish off coming over from Fernie, he lit it up pretty good there. Just looking at it, he had, 31 points in 19 games with the posse. Wow. Uh, Asuyus and North Okanagan, before we talk about that, congratulations to North Okanagan. What a great season, a great turnaround season. Uh, you know, they finished third in the division, but it was the way they played this season. I thought they played very strong, and it was just a great turnaround season, I thought, for the Knights. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and they had strong performances from some key veterans, but also some new guys who stepped in and played key roles. I guess the one player that I'm be interested to watch, see how he performs, is goalie Austin Seibel. Like he had a very good season and played in goal for uh, Team KIJHL in the BCHC Prospects game. And in playing at Soyuz, the first thing that comes to mind with me is, and maybe they should hashtag it, unfinished business. Because yeah. last year, they were first overall, had their sights set on the championship just came up a little bit short when they uh, faced the Rebel Stoke Grizzlies. And so that's going to be a hungry team. Lots of depth there. They yeah. are dealing with some injuries, uh, which I learned from talking to head coach Ken Law. But there's a lot of talent on that team. Yeah, how about the firepower on that team? <laughs> oh, I know. I recently, I recently spoke on the podcast with Ethan McKinley, who had what was it like a 20-game point streak, and he had 40-some-odd points. Jack Henderson, believe it or not, like he was an MVP last season of the league and had, and that was like 60 points. And he topped that this year with, with 73. He and McKinley were tied with 73 points. And then you still have Carter Yarish, Colton Boyarski, Hunter Harwood. There's a few guys there that all averaged over a point per game. Uh, let's head over the Doug Burks division, uh, reigning champions, uh, Revelstoke Grizzlies. Uh, they take on the 100 Mile House Wranglers. You have a group of players that there's a lot of depth and they know how to win because there's still players on the team from last year that won bronze medals at Cyclone Taylor Cup. And I don't think you can underestimate that experience. The way the whole team plays, they have the fewest goals against in the league with 95. That's going to be a, a good challenge for 100 Mile House, but they're not going to going to shy away from it. It's a young team, and, and let's see what they they can muster up against the the Grizzlies. And finally, let's talk about the series that I'm I'm, I'm excited about a lot of series, but this one's got me really hooked. Kamloops and Sycamus, Sycamus, another team with a great turnaround season, and those guys have been battling each other all season long. Uh, your thoughts on the Storm and the Eagles? <laughs> it's going to be a good series to watch. And Kamloops has a lot of depth. They've added some key veterans, especially in goal with Colton Phillips-Watts. Sikamus, though, they too have good goaltending. Gage Reimer has been solid. He's a 20-year-old. Even up front, I know somebody who's telling me, like, you got to keep an eye on Tyler Burke. Such a good kid, such a good player. Keep an eye on him. He's going to be really good. One player from Sikamus who kind of caught my eye while putting together the red light reels is uh, Warren Roberts Lee. He played junior A in Alberta, and he produced at almost nearly a point-a-game clip. And so 
I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven games. With Kamloops, I feel they're kind of like a Soyuz as well in that they have some unfinished business that they want to get done. Absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this. So there we got the wrap-up for the first round of the playoffs in the KIJHL. Again, thank you very much for doing this, Emmanuel. You're welcome. Calcigar Rebels on the power play. That puts the Board of Bruins on the City of Grand Forks penalty kill as they get a shot stopped by Suter. Out come the Bruins shorthanded. Jonas Smith. Flips the puck in, shorthanded goal. That's Jonah's second of the night and 29th of the season. Aaron Volpatti played five seasons in the National Hockey League between Vancouver and Washington. He played NCAA Div 1 with Brown University, where he was their captain, and named to the NCAA All-Academic Team for three seasons. He's the author of the book Fighter, Defying the NHL Odds. It all started for Aaron in Revelstoke. Emmanuel talked with him this week, and this is an excerpt. The full interview will come out this weekend in a special Top Shelf episode. I'm joined by Aaron Volpatti, alumni of the Revelstoke Grizzlies and a former NHLer. Aaron, welcome to Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. Thanks, Emmanuel. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm, I'm so glad that you're able to join us. It's always good to chat and go down memory lane and talk about, you know, times for me where it, where it kind of all started. Uh, you played a full season for your hometown Revelstoke Grizzlies in the early 2000s what was that experience like for you yeah it's scary to think that it's been over 20 years ago now when you say that but yeah it was it was awesome I obviously being you know Revelstoke my hometown so you grow up watching the team as a young kid going to the games I mean I don't know if we have the atmosphere they have now I've been to the odd game and it's it's pretty awesome a lot of fun a lot of good vibes in there but but yeah we still had you know a good crowd and I, I mean again just growing up there that was, you know, always kind of the the dream was to play for the Grizzlies as a young kid, right? I mean, I tell everyone this, like, I, I wasn't really that good. Like, so that was, that was kind of my NHL as a young kid, right? If I'm like, oh, if I can play for the Grizzlies, right? So again, just, just being from there and playing there was, was, was a dream come true. Because I imagine growing up as a kid, you probably watched a ton of Grizzlies games. Oh, tons. Yeah, we were there all the time. How did your experience in the KIJHL help you moving forward in your hockey career? Yeah, it was obviously instrumental. I mean, so I I played I played some AP games as a 16-year-old, so I would have been in like grade 11, I guess. And I, I don't know, you might remember the name Larry Black. Some people may may not, but he was he was our GM of the Grizzlies and he saw something in me, you know, with with the way I played and the way I could hit. Uh, I wasn't a huge guy, but he pulled me aside a few times during that my my full season there. So my grade 12 year. And he just said, listen, like you, you aren't a goal scorer. Like, don't forget who you are. And not that I forgot that, but, you know, I, I put up decent numbers in junior B. He's like, if you want to, you know, move up, you ain't going to be that. And that's not to say, you know, I couldn't add that later on, but to get yeah. in, to get in. And that would, that's been the theme for for every stepping stone I've made in my career to get in. I got to go back to that grinder, that that type of role, and and relish in that role, right? And so it was really good advice, and I, I really honed that in. And then you know just snuck in with the Vipers the year after. Uh, I mean, this is when you there was like ten fights a game, so that was a wow <laughs> job, a role that was filled, right? So with the hitting, you know, I could skate, the fighting kind of came with that. So yeah, it was uh, obviously like, that's where my junior career started. And I, 
you know, really honed in on my role and, and developed it in Revelstoke. I want to come back to something of what you said about that advice that your coach gave you. A lot of guys, obviously, probably in minor hockey, scoring a ton of goals, putting up big points and stuff like that. And then they're told by a coach, well, this isn't going to be the type of player that you are. When your coach was telling you this to give you that advice to like focus on what's going to make you successful, what was that like for you to handle and to just, I guess, take it in the right way? Yeah, I mean, I always knew who I was to in a sense, like I knew that was that was my bread and butter. Like I could always I had a knack for hitting, but everyone wants to score goals, right? And I think we all agree everyone wants to to be that guy. But listen, like I played with a lot of players that have made tons of money who could win faceoffs. People that have made millions and millions of dollars because they can kill penalties. I think now especially in the game, everyone wants to be that skilled guy. And when you keep going up levels, that filter starts going like this, right? So yeah. so you go play junior hockey. Well, now guess what? That's all the best people in minor hockey. And then you go play junior A. That's, you know, another level up. And then you go to college. That's the best junior A hockey players in North America. So like, what else do you do now? Everyone's good. Most most people aren't going to be that. When If you want to go play pro hockey, you're going to have to fill some sort of role. Right. And, you know, I, like I came out of college and I had a really good. So again, like I added that offensive element later in my career at Brown, I got to pro. And then now you're talking about the best best players in the world. So now it's like, okay, I'm going to have to go back to, to what I know if I'm going to make this thing happen. Right. Because I mean, yeah, in the NHL, you're talking about the best, say 750 players in the world. I wasn't that skill wise but I was one of the best in my role. So especially now everyone wants to be that guy. So I think there's even more opportunity in the game now because the pro game and and when you move up, it's still, I'm not saying like the fighting necessarily, but it's still, it's a man's game. It's, it's mean. And if to, there's jobs to be had there and now everyone wants to be the point guy and they're doing these fancy moves and like, I'm, a, I'm all for growing the game and, you know, working on the skill because it is a skilled game, but there's a lot of opportunity there for someone who wants to fill a role. I mean, that's what I had to do. After college, you go to the pros, you start in Vancouver's farm system, you play, I think it was eight games and then you get to Vancouver. What was it like for you to gain your pro career with the Vancouver Canucks? I had visualized this, this movie in my head. And that's, you know, that's kind of my wheelhouse is the visualization piece. And when I had that really bad burn injury and making that comeback to get out of the hospital, to even come back to play hockey, you know, I, so I remember being laid up in that burn unit and then five years later, I'm a member of the Canucks. Uh, You know, I had never even thought about pro hockey at that point. And I didn't even have a scholarship. I didn't even talk to an NCAA scout at, at 20 years old. And I'm in a burn unit. Like I never in my wildest dream thought I would have been playing pro hockey at that to fast forward five years and to be a member of the Canucks. Like I I was a free agent, so I could have signed anywhere. I guess my point is it was very, very surreal. The name of Aaron Volpatti's book is Fighter, Defying the NHL Odds. One of the most inspirational comeback stories in professional sports. Aaron Volpatti was never supposed to play in the National Hockey League. As an average, undersized youth hockey player, Aaron had to fight his way, literally, into competitive hockey, but in the early hours of April 20th, 2005, he found himself in a very different fight, a fight for his life 
after a devastating burn injury. Fighter defying the NHL odds is a riveting account of Aaron's journey from the VGH burn unit to the NHL and his life after a career-ending neck injury. It's a story filled with extreme adversity, personal triumph, grief, terror, and happiness. A must-read. Available at AaronVolpatti.com, Amazon.ca, or your favorite bookstore. On Sunday, Top Shelf will release the full 14-minute interview with the former Revelstoke Grizzly. This is Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. Our thanks this week to KIJHL broadcasters Brad Cable, Laney Wilson, Dawson McFarlane, Bob Lepke, Sheldon Button, Kevin McKinnon, Larry Reed, and Chris Armstrong. KIJHL Director of Communications, Emmanuel Sequera, Will McPhee of the Revelstoke Grizzlies, and Grizz alumnus, Aaron Volpatti. Also a stick tap to Hockey TV, which brings our players closer to their families and friends back home. I'm Mark Berry. This is Top Shelf, the KIJHL podcast. We're back in seven days. <laughs>